Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. to the Warrior School podcast. We are at episode 125. It's Wednesday and you know what that means. It means podcast day. I have a great lineup today. I just actually jumped off a podcast with one of my warriors, Leah. And we had a delicious conversation for about an hour. We were both in tears at one point. So I'm really excited to bring that to you over the next couple of weeks. And then I'm going to record a couple of solo episodes today. Uh, This being one of them. Last week, I recorded a podcast episode with Jessica Ash. Oh, that conversation was fire. I just love her and I could talk to her for hours. And so I'm going to get my podcast editing guy to edit that this week. And hopefully we'll get that out either at the end of the week or at the start of next week. It was a really cool conversation all about the gut. Uh, And then I have a podcast tomorrow, actually, which is not on podcast day, but I decided that I would break the rules uh, for my guest tomorrow. My guest tomorrow is Lucas Aaron, who is the creator of Range of Strength, and we're going to talk about mobility and flexibility. So there's a lot going on in the podcast world and I just love it. I love it. If I could podcast all day, every day, I would. (laughs) Uh, It brings me so much joy. I just have so much passion uh, for podcasting. Okay, so I'm here with my coffee and I have to admit that I'm Well, I'm not breaking a rule. I'm just bending it. Actually, Ruby, uh, my dear friend, but also one of my business coaches, she made a post yesterday and it was on uh, breaking rules. You know, maybe we don't have to break them, but we can bend them. So for those of you who have been listening for a little while, I am only drinking one coffee a day and... That decision came from, you know, coming out of seven months of winter, uh, gray and darkness, my circadian rhythm being a little confused. uh, So my sleep wasn't 
as great as it should be and normally has been. And there was some, you know, there was a little bit of energy stuff going on. And also I am increasing my training volume and load. And so when I do that, I put in, I guess you can think about it as the one percenters. So we have this foundation, uh, you know, that we build and these, you know, foundation of training needs that we build our pyramid on when we take the long way home. And then we get to this point in our practice when we're really looking at, especially performance, is that we, we need to look at the one percenters. And so for me, when I get really heavy into training and I really, really want to prioritize performance and recovery, I have to go for my one percenters. And one of my one percenters is only having one coffee a day. Except I bend that rule on podcast Wednesdays and then a day on the weekend, which is normally a Sunday when Carson and I will get a delicious coffee together. So I'm standing here bending my rule around my coffee consumption, drinking a coffee. And we're going to kick off today's episode talking about a couple of things uh, that came up over the last week or so. A few episodes ago, I announced that I was returning to Olympic weightlifting and that I was going to start writing a book. So I've had loads of questions about those two, uh, what I call monstrous tasks. (laughs) Um, I was actually on a call yesterday with Kelsey, uh, her momentum call. And in the end, she was just acknowledging and and celebrating my two big announcements. And I said to her, (laughs) they feel like monstrous tasks. Uh, to get myself back to the platform uh, and also to write a book. I'm not sure which one's scarier. (laughs) They both scare me, actually. Uh, And so I've had a lot of questions about what does that look like? You know, uh, I haven't seen you lifting. When are you going to start lifting again? Uh, And then just a few curious questions around the book. Like, what is it going to be about? Uh, So I thought that I would just speak to those two things the best that I can with where I'm at with them right now and just share a little bit about uh, my plan uh, for them and you know what that looks like and what I'm doing currently and then we're going to dive into a couple of concepts that I want to talk about today in our episode. So I announced that I'm going to return to Olympic weightlifting after not being on the platform for, I think it's close to six, six and a half years. Uh, So I'm definitely not platform ready. I actually haven't had a heavy barbell on me or in my hands for a long time, probably close to about five years. So the current plan with where I'm at now and what's going on with my body, there's a couple of things that we're just trying to figure out actually, uh, physically 
There's a couple of things that are going on with my body, more like a chronic kind of um, chronic kind of issues that I have a great team around me that we're really trying to solve the puzzle for. The crazy thing about my body when something happens is that it's so highly functioning as in, you know, the pain or the discomfort doesn't hold me back from anything. Uh, And I'm actually quite strong and quite mobile. And so it becomes a little bit of a complicated puzzle piece for a lot of my practitioners, my team to figure out. (laughs) So I've got this right back hip thing going on. Uh, There's some old scar tissue there from tearing uh, some ligaments uh, and tearing some some muscles, uh, especially my external rotators. So the outside of my hip, you know, my lateral line, that outside part is quite stuck and tight. Then there's a little bit of instability stuff going on with my pelvis. There's there's quite a bit of stuff going on in that right hip back section, but the The interesting thing is, is that the discomfort or the pain that I sometimes feel, it doesn't stop me from doing anything in my training. And I'm actually going to do a podcast episode on this. And this month, uh, our internal event inside of Warrior School is on how to move through pain and discomfort in our training. And if you've been listening, you know that it's one of my favorite topics to talk about, pain, discomfort, and how we can still uh, train, how we can move through that. So when, you know, I have discomfort or there's something kind of funky going on in my body, it doesn't stop me from training and I can train through it. Now, not like push through the pain, kind of. Uh, We're talking about moving through it by being aware trying to understand it, treating it, um, you know, paying attention to it and doing all the right things to move through uh, the injury or whatever's going on. So we're really trying to work through, through that. Now, it doesn't stop me from doing anything, but it's affecting my performance. And an example I can give you is that one of the things that we're really working on is my pure strength, my raw barbell strength. So if you... <laughs> you know, haven't lifted for a while and haven't had a heavy barbell on you or in your hands, we have to build that strength back up. Basically, you know, I need to get barbell strong again. So we're doing things like squats, uh, heavy pulls off the floor, some pressing, basically having a relationship with the bar again. Now, when I'm squatting, you know, technically it looks really beautiful it feels pretty good uh it feels pretty stable and and strong to a certain point you know I'll get to a certain weight and then I feel a massive loss of power because of this stuck feeling this discomfort or this issue that's going on in my hip and so it's affecting my performance and my ability to be able to progress uh it's not stopping me and I think that's uh, a really important thing to to, to highlight and understand that when we experience something in our body, you know, chronic pain, discomfort, pain, injury, uh, that it may not stop us 
from moving and it actually shouldn't. We actually should not stop moving. We need to actually move through it. And often what I say is the problem is for a lot of us, uh, for a lot of women is that they aren't strong. And so to, to actually do the movement patterns and to build the strength will help us actually um, overcome the pain or the discomfort or the injury. That's a whole nother podcast uh, <laughs> topic or conversation. But what happens is that sometimes that thing can hold us back from them performing. And that's what's happening with my, um, my hip and my back at the moment. I've also got uh, a chronic elbow thing going on. They call it golfer's elbow, which is like a tendonitis in the elbow, on the inside of the elbow that's been um, flared up for quite a number of months just from a lot of pulling work and then really working on my handstand push-up and just the line of um, the angle of my forearm. Anyway, I'm not going to go into the biomechanics of it, but basically we're really trying to work on on my elbow uh, and getting rid of my elbow pain (laughs) that is there and so those two things are two projects that I'm working on at the moment and then with my training practice uh, we're working a lot on pure raw strength so you'll see that the barbell has come back into my training a lot more so I'm doing three lower body days the bar is in all of those lower body days and then for my upper body day or I'm doing two upper body days and we're not doing a lot of pulling because of my elbow. Uh, We're doing a lot of um, upper body accessory work. So a lot of bodybuilding work, essentially building up my arm strength as well as rehabbing my elbow problem. So the first step or stage, I guess, in returning to Olympic weightlifting, and this is Uh, you know, my coach and myself have come up with this plan is to increase my raw strength, my barbell strength. So do a lot of the key lifts. Yeah, I want to get my squat up, uh, my pull off the floor. So at the moment I'm working on my sumo deadlift, then it could go to a snatch deadlift. Um, It could go to a heavy clean pull. Uh, I want to start to build my barbell pressing strength again so you'll see me doing barbell strict press probably eventually barbell push press and then a jerk Uh, so I want to spend well however long it takes to really build up my my raw strength my barbell strength get my numbers up and then the next stage of our plan is start to Um, introduce some of the accessory uh, lifts for Olympic weightlifting. So for those of you who are listening and you're not um, super familiar with Olympic weightlifting, it's the snatch and the clean and jerk. So the snatch is where you take the bar from the floor, your hands are wide and you snatch it overhead. So you're in the bottom of the squat and the bar's over your head. The clean uh, and the jerk, so you clean it from the floor into like a front squat you stand up and then you jerk it overhead so you can actually break down the olympic lifts and do accessory lifts for them so for example with the snatch the next stage uh, for me to get back into it would be to pull it apart 
So to build up my snatch pull, so the, in, the initiation off the floor, uh, I want to build my overhead squat. I want to build my snatch balance. Uh, so some of these terms you may have never heard of before, but I would just invite you just to, to keep watching uh, my training and then I will take you on the journey. You know, that is my intention is to take you on the journey as I get back into Olympic weightlifting. So essentially we can pull the lift apart and we can work on it separately. And so I wanna build the separate components of the lifts. Uh, and then the third stage would be to actually start Olympic weightlifting. Now I've set myself, you know, a 12 month goal to get back into Olympic lifting. So you may not actually see me do the Olympic lifts, snatch and clean and jerk for a while. But what you will see is the barbell, uh, me having a love affair with the barbell again, and then you'll start to see accessory lifts and the components of the, of the two key lifts in my training. So that is, you know, just like uh, in warrior school, you know, and in my own training, I have this belief that we need to build a foundation, be patient and take the long way. And this is the approach that I'm taking with Olympic weightlifting. You know, essentially I could pick up the bar for sure. And from a technical standpoint, you know, I'm probably going to have a lot of the technical skill there, but I don't have a lot of the strength and the conditioning there. So for example, in the snatch, when your hands are quite wide on the bar, the load that goes through the wrist is quite a lot. And I don't have the wrist strength. So slowly I want to build that up. And so I'm totally cool with my long way approach. Uh, that will probably take me a good 12 months to build uh, my barbell strength back and to be platform ready. Okay, now with my book, uh, I was actually having my one-on-one -on -one coaching call with John, my business coach yesterday. And, you know, he was asking me, okay, so what's going on in the business? And then, uh, you know, I tell him about a few, a few really cool things uh, that I'm working on. And then I say, and I've decided to finally write my book. <laughs> And we've been talking about this for a couple of years now. And he's like, okay, cool. You know, what is it about? And he started to ask me these questions. Anyway, we had a really cool conversation about the book and, and the process of, you know, he's just written his first book and he's in the process of writing his second book, you know, super early. So we're... <laughs> We're a bunch of amateurs on the call and, you know, for those of you who are listening who may have written books before, uh, one, I'd love your advice, uh, but yeah, I, I've gotten quite a few questions about it and I'll speak to it the best that I can. I've always had a goal to write a book, just like one of my other goals has always been to do a TED Talk. <laughs> Sorry, for uh, for a long time now, one of my like big, audacious, like scary goals has been to do a TED Talk. And then over the last few years, uh, I've started to play with this idea of writing a book. Now, 
this for me, it's a long-term project. It's a big project, like I said, a monstrous task, uh, but you know, that I see taking years, uh, but I'm really excited. And I won't speak too much to what it's going to be about. Um, you know, I'm in the process. I guess what I'll share is I'm in the stage of doing a lot of research and reading uh, and thinking and planning about it. And so I've set, you know, two hours aside, five to six days a week. So, you know, that's the commitment and the promise I made myself because I need to start creating the practice. You know, if I'm going to write a book, we need time to write that book. Uh, and so for two hours, you know, five to six days a week, I've put aside. And at the moment, that time is really spent uh, either reading. Uh, and so one of the things that I was sharing with John yesterday is that for the last five, six, seven years, I actually haven't read a lot of nonfiction books. I've been reading a lot of fiction. You know, I did my time where I was obsessed with nonfiction books and I would just devour them. And actually inside Warrior School, we've started an internal podcast, which is super cool. So it's just a podcast for inside the school. So episode one was on pace, desire and consumption. So these three topics or ideas, I guess, came up on one-on-one -on -one coaching calls with John and myself. So often if a topic or an idea comes up, I take it and I internalize it and I really reflect on it. I think a lot about it. Um, you know, I, I think about what it means to me uh, and this can even be in other conversations. So conversations with Carson, conversations with my warrior women. If something comes up, I have my post-it notes here on my desk uh, and I'll write the word down or the idea or the concept. And then I normally stick it. I actually have a bunch right behind my computer right now and I'll stick it there and then I'll just let it, um, you know, I'll just ruminate on it for a number of weeks and really think about the idea, the concept, um, and then I'll present it. So in our first uh, internal podcast episode, I presented these three ideas and one of them was about the idea of consumption. And, you know, when I devoured and consumed all of those nonfiction books, I then really needed space to actually let all of that consumption or that information like settle into my body. And it's really cool because I just went on Circle, which is our community platform for Warrior School. And Julie, one of my warriors, had left a comment uh, on episode one. And she was talking about how that she loves the energy and focus that comes from that initial obsession uh, and being really fully submerged into a topic. And I thought about, you know, how I became obsessed with a lot of Brene Brown's work and a lot of Esther Perel's work around relationships. 
And, you know, how Julie described that really resonated with me. We can have this, um, you know, this love, this energy, this focus, this almost obsession that um, we find when we're learning something new and we fully submerge ourselves in it. And then there's, you know, this time to pause. And my pause has been quite long. (laughs) I've paused off nonfiction books for the last five or six years but I needed that time where you know I could own some of that information you know I could really let the ideas and the concepts settle into my body and then I can discard what I you know don't need or maybe even file some of that away uh, and then really use what really worked for me Uh, whether that's in my own life, my relationships, uh, or my work. And so Julie was also saying that um, there is, you know, there's a pause for her as well. And there's a time where the obsession becomes less and she moves to this place of like embodiment and owning it for her own life. And I love how she described that. Because I think that's that's the gap, yeah? We can consume and consume. Again, there's, I think there's two sides of it. I think it's totally cool to consume information from um, your teachers, your coaches, your mentors, really powerful people in their craft. Where we've gotten stuck is that we're consuming so much information, especially on social media platforms, from people that aren't actually great leaders in their craft. They're just great influencers (laughs) and there's a big difference. And so when Julie was describing this and she was sharing it in the comments, I love the piece around there is this place to embody and own it for my own life. And that's where I think um, there's a gap. You know, I think we can learn and consume but I believe that there is more to this this knowing uh actually and I've written a post on it before let me see if I can remember what I said I think I say something like to know is not enough to listen and to feel is what joins the knowing and allows understanding to be reached And this is what I feel um, like with consumption, you know, to know is not enough. We then actually have to listen and to feel, to almost embody, discard what we don't need and then implement what we, um, not even implement, actually imprint into our body. So when it comes to my project, my book project, uh, I'm going to have to consume and I want to consume. It's for research. Now, when I say research, I don't mean reading scientific articles and that kind of research. I mean researching uh, the structure, the rhythm, the flow of different people's writings, their books. Um, and so I'm really excited to spend time, loads of time, consuming again uh, And then I will create space to actually let that settle 
Um, and then I, I will really dive into the writing process and I'll create, you know, a structure to the book, a rhythm, a flow. I'll take you on a journey, essentially. Okay, so hopefully that gives you a little bit more clarity into those um, those tasks, those monstrous tasks that I'm undertaking that are super scary. <laughs> Uh, and this is what I wanted to talk to you about today. I wanted to talk to you about um, about doing things that are scary. <laughs> uh, and being in the arena. And that comes from Brené Brown's work. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt uh, wrote a piece on the man in the arena. And actually, the other day, I wrote a post about, you know, being in the arena and how especially the online arena can feel a little bit like the wild, wild west. (laughs) And, you know, to have skin in the game, essentially. So I want to speak to you about, you know, being afraid, but doing it anyway, or, you know, stepping off from the sidelines onto the field or stepping into the arena or having skin in the game. (laughs) Whatever you, you know, whatever resonates with you is what I always tell my warriors. You know, if I'm teaching them a concept or, you know, we're talking about a word or a learning or an idea, I'll always invite them to, again, pause and think about, well, what resonates with them you know is it a different word can we rephrase the idea a little differently and I just wanted to share with you uh, the other day creator club made a post uh, about myself and my business and warrior school and you know the journey that I have been on which got me thinking uh, you know about this this idea of like starting from scratch or building or taking the long way home or just getting in the arena or, you know, about fear. And so I really wanted to speak to you a bit about my journey with my business uh, and how I have built my business from scratch. And actually, I've done it many times before. Uh, You know, I've started... Uh, my podcast from scratch, my business from scratch, uh, even when it comes to my practice, you know, with my own body, for those of you who know my story, you know, I was flat on my back on the floor in pain. I was weak. I was broken. Uh, And then I spent, you know, I essentially had to rebuild my body from the ground up from scratch. Uh, And on the podcast with Leah just before she owns her own business she is a wedding photographer she built her business from scratch uh actually saying scratch so many times reminds me of a Grey's Anatomy episode where a girl gets in a really bad boating accident and she doesn't want to tell her mum because her mum said growing up to her 
be careful, Clara, because I made that body from scratch. Don't do that, Clara, because I made that body from scratch. Anyway, just sharing a little bit of my Grey's Anatomy um, obsession with you (laughs) that I remember that. Okay, so a lot of us want to do things with our life. (laughs) I'm hoping a lot of us want to do these really cool, amazing things with our life. Now, we could talk about it as a bigger picture mission or a vision, you know, the way that we see our lives. And we can break that down into lots of different sections. Uh, You know, I've used the umbrella analogy before for our health. Uh, So for those of you who aren't familiar, I would describe like, you know, our body or our nervous system uh, as an umbrella. And then we have all of these prongs that give the umbrella its shape, that allow it to do its job, to function as an umbrella. And so those prongs could be you know, training, our nutrition, our sleep, our relationships, uh, our environment, trauma. Uh, And now if one or more of those prongs isn't working right, if it's broken, it's affecting the umbrella. So it's affecting our nervous system, you know, how well our body is functioning. So we could think about, you know, our life as an umbrella. And then we have all of these prongs. So we have our work or our business. Um, We have our relationships, our health, our training. And within those prongs, we have goals, you know, or maybe we have a vision for our life. Now, for me, uh, I'm going to speak to the business prong of my umbrella. So did I always know that I wanted to own my own business and start my own business? No, but I always knew that I wouldn't fit into the mold of a traditional, I guess, career or having a traditional job. And it's really funny, when I finished my master's in dietetics, when we were doing our master's, we had to do uh, three months in a hospital So I did my three months um, in a cancer ward in Melbourne. And I remember going there every day. It was eight to five, I think. And my soul dying when I had to go inside of that hospital to follow their rules and their systems and their structures and their beliefs. Uh, And I didn't fit. And I felt like that most of my life that I was always the one to bend, (laughs) to bend the rules. And I'm sure my parents could speak to this a little bit more powerfully of what I was like when I was younger, but I always wanted to do things a little bit differently. And I remember when I finished my master's degree, my dad saying to me, so are you going to get a job like a real dietitian now in a hospital? And I said to him, no, dad, my soul would die if I had to be in there every day. I have never done well with, um, with rules, you know, being told what to do with systems and structures, especially if they go against my belief systems. <laughs> so, and I, you know, I, I, 
uh, did my master's, I went into private practice. You know, I found an amazing mentor, Carly Harris, who specialized in eating disorders and disordered eating uh, and worked under her. And then I found my way back into the training space. And, and I think that I found my way back into that space because there weren't any rules. There wasn't a lot of structure, a lot of um, things that I had to follow. You know, as an accredited dietitian, there are certain things that you have to do. Now, I'm not saying that I <laughs> just completely, you know, go against everything and break all ethics or morals. No, I'm just saying that I don't deal well with uh, rigidity or feeling like I'm contained it in. One of my core values, my personal core values is freedom. And so if I, <laughs> if I feel like I, I'm not free, uh, it creates a lot of friction in me. So that's why I found my way back to the training space uh, to coach, essentially because there is so much freedom within that space. You know, you're working for yourself. Um, you create your own schedule. And that felt really right to me. Uh, and so I, I, I didn't always know that I wanted to own my own business. Uh, but after working with John one-on-one -on -one for a while, you know, what happened when I moved over to Canada is that I left my entire business in Melbourne. I lived in Melbourne for seven years. So for seven years, I built up, you know, my client base uh, and I left that. And I essentially had to start from scratch when I moved to Canada. And this is about five and a half years ago. And so I was in conversation with John the first couple of years that I moved here. And we started to, to play around with this idea of creating something that allowed me to move between Canada and Australia. And this is where the business um, really, the idea of it really came from because Carson, my partner, he's Canadian, uh, I'm Australian, and I wanted to be able to travel back and forth between Canada and Australia and still work. <laughs> So we started to come up with this idea, this concept of creating an online coaching business. At the time, I was uh, starting to work only with women and women who had more complicated histories with their relationship with food and their body, uh, women who had hormonal problems uh, and wanted to learn more about their hormones, their physiology and their cycle, and then women who had chronic pain or injuries and really wanted to feel strong. So I started to really see the dots connect from my own story, my own history. And I really love the Steve Jobs. Um, he gives a speech at uh, a graduation for one of the universities in the US, maybe Carnegie. I'm not 100% sure what speech it was. But in his speech, uh, and you could probably YouTube it, he talks about you know, we can never look forward and try and connect our dots, but we can look back and we can connect our dots. And I really like that concept. And, um, you know, it was a few years ago, I started to really see my dots. I started to see 
the power in my story and my experience. So with my sister and her eating disorder and my fascination with uh, our relationship with food and eating in our bodies. And then that's why I wanted to become a dietitian and why I worked in the space of eating disorders, worked for the Butterfly Foundation to do a lot of, you know, um, preventative work and education work around body image uh, and eating disorders. And then I've trained, you know, most of my life. I had my injury, found Olympic weightlifting, you know, built this strong, capable, resilient, powerfully graceful body. So that was the second dot. Uh, And then the third dot was the hormonal piece. You know, me realizing when I was deep into competing in Olympic weightlifting that I actually didn't understand my physiology. I didn't understand my cycle. So then I became really fascinated with our physiology and learning to work with our physiology. And I found the work of Dr. Stacey Sims and dived into that. Uh, And that's really those three dots was how the model of Warrior School was created. So inside Warrior School, it's an online coaching program for women who want to get stronger and feel great in their bodies. And we do that through training, nutrition, and our physiology. And so a few years ago when I was working with John one-on-one and we were, we were thinking about, you know, this idea of building an online business, you know, I had my three dots, the three areas that I really wanted to work with women in. We kind of had this rough model uh, and then we just started. <laughs> You know, I was working for Lululemon at the time. I was still doing a little bit of coaching, but I started and I started only with four women. And over the last couple of years, Warrior School is going to be two in October, which is really cool. Over the last two years, I've grown her to now, you know, over 35 women to be able to bring in a consistent revenue. Uh, That's the most that I've consistently made ever (laughs) in the last 13 years uh, being a coach. And there's a lot to that, to that story. And I could do a podcast on, you know, my relationship with money. uh, (laughs) and, And I've had to work really hard on that. You know, what often John says, he, Creator Club works, uh, mostly with small businesses uh, and creatives. And those small businesses are often in the health um, and fitness space. And we get into it because we love it. You know, we have this desire and passion uh, for the human body and for helping people. We're, you know, we're not, we don't get in it for the money. Uh, And a lot of us aren't amazing business owners. (laughs) Uh, and so this is what we learn inside of Warrior School, you know, how to uh, inside of Creator Club, how to grow our business with confidence. And we're learning the key skills to business, which um, which is super cool. Uh, and that's what I've been doing with John and Ruby for the last couple of years. But when I started Warrior School, you know, I started with an idea. I had a little bit of a system and some structure, a bit of a model there. And I started with four women. And then over the last two years, I've built that. And, you know, I could, 
I could speak to, you know, what that's been like uh, on the podcast with Leah before. We were just talking about how hard it is to create your own business and to run your own business, especially doing it by yourself. So I'm still doing it all by myself two years later. Uh, I have, you know, amazing support from John and Ruby who help coach me and who have helped grow my business. I've had amazing support from Carson, my partner. You know, he is, uh, I like to think of it as a board of directors. And so who do you have on your board of directors? You know, who's at the table? Who's in those seats? And not only who are in those seats, but what role do they have, you know, on your board of directors? So I'm so thankful for Carson. You know, he's been my behind the scenes guy when it comes to technology, editing this beautiful baby, this podcast, uh, which is also two years old. She was two years old on June 30th and I didn't even celebrate her. I'm going to have to do a post and celebrate her. Uh, And I want to pause and really celebrate her. But I also want to say thank you to you. Um, And I'm probably going to cry for the second time this morning. Uh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you whack her in your ears and you listen to her. Again, she was, you know, I started her from scratch. We had this idea to do a podcast. And for me, I just thought, why not? You know, I love to speak. So I started her uh, two years ago. The first episode I ever did was on taking the long way home. And, you know, 125 episodes later, two years later, uh, she's grown. You know, she has over 55,000 downloads, hundreds of listens every episode. I get amazing feedback on a weekly basis. Um, And it has helped me grow more passion and desire for my work. And it's also really cool because it linked in one of my dots in my past. So for those of you who don't know, I actually love performing. And I performed all throughout uh, high school. I did dance and I did drama. I actually did drama for like my major in year 12 uh, or grade 12 in high school. And I wanted to go into performing arts. My dream as a child was to be a famous actress and walk on the red carpet. (laughs) I always wanted to be a famous actress and just walk on a red carpet with a beautiful dress on. So I wanted to go into performing arts. So I auditioned, applied to a few performing arts schools in Australia, and I got into a performing arts school. And this was at the same time my sister was enduring anorexia nervosa. So she had an eating disorder for quite a number of years. And uh, supporting her through that experience uh, was what birthed my fascination to our relationship to food uh, and eating disorders. So that's when I decided to become a dietitian. So I, I feel like I lost that part of myself, um, you know, this love for performing. And when I started my podcast, I really found that again. And, you know, I, I'll often say that when I record these episodes for you, I'm standing, you know, at, right now I'm using my hands. I use my facial expressions. You know, I'm pretending that I'm on stage speaking to you uh, and I 
just feel immense privilege and gratitude that I get to do that. Uh, you know, even if no one listened, I'd probably still do it anyway because I just love it. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I built her, I built the podcast from scratch. And now when I, when I started it, of course I had those feelings. Even when I started my business, you know, you have these, these feelings of imposter syndrome, like who am I to do this? You know, what do I know? Uh, and it can be really paralyzing. And I had that at the start of my business thinking, you know, how am I going to create this thing? But for me, I've never been scared of a challenge. I actually really welcome it. Uh, I love doing hard things. And maybe you, you kind of get that from the type of training that I do. The other day, actually, Carson and I were having a conversation. And, you know, he has some training goals and some body composition goals. And I said to him, well, you just need to train harder. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're right. Like, I really need to channel you and how hard you train. Because when I train, like I train hard, like really hard. Uh, and I feel like I do that a lot in all areas of my life. You know, I, I really become obsessed with what I'm doing. And that word, uh, you know, this idea came up in a creator club call a few weeks ago by Ruby. You know, she asked us, you know, what do you think about this idea or this concept of obsession? And is it a bad thing? I think when we think about being obsessed with something that we think that it's a negative thing. But I actually think that it is a really positive thing. I think it's really cool to actually be obsessed with something. You know, and I would say I'm obsessed with training. I I'm obsessed with the human body. I'm obsessed with our physiology. I'm obsessed with getting strong. You know, I was obsessed with Olympic weightlifting. And I'm obsessed with my business. I love it. I love creating a business. In my training, I have a philosophy around patience and building a strong foundation. So essentially taking the long way home or the long road. And I took the same approach and I still do take the same approach with Warrior School, with my business. Uh, you know, when I started to build Warrior School, the plan always was to take the long way, to go slow, to grow slow, uh, you know, to set the foundation, build a strong foundation and to do it right. And I still hold that same philosophy today with my business is I'm okay. I'm okay at taking the long way home, playing the long game. I think that the last two years for me with my business have been all about building a foundation. You know, I've learned a lot. It's a very steep learning curve in the initial couple of years of building a business. Uh, you have to learn a lot uh, pretty quickly, especially if you are the only one that is in your business. And so, you know, I, and I believe that, I, I think I practice this in every area of my life. You know, this whole idea of the long game, 
taking the long way, having the plan for it to be slow. Uh, and for those of my warriors who work with me, you know, you know that the first zero to nine months in warrior school, we go slow. Like I slow it way down. And my plan for my warriors is the long game. And I was just speaking to Leah before and I said, you know what, in my own experience and working with hundreds of women now over the last 13 or 14 years, I found it takes about nine months when it comes to our training to get to this place where we have a foundation and we can then create some real cool momentum. We feel a lot stronger in our body. We feel more capable. We feel more confident. Nine months, you know, nine months of consistent work. Now, I would say with my business, it's been a little longer. <laughs> I would say it's close to like 18 months, you know, two years where I feel like I have a really strong foundation and I've got some really cool momentum now. So, you know, together, myself and the women that I'm working with, are just we're building a new culture around what it looks like to get stronger and we're finding joy and confidence in the process. And this is what I've done in my business. You know, I, you know, I am finding the joy and the confidence in the process. I'm not in a rush to get anywhere. So to finish our podcast episode today, I really would love to ask you, you know, what in your life, would you love to be able to do? What do you want to do? We get one, one life. Uh, you know, just like we get one body. And what do you want that life to look like? You know, how do you actually want to live? What do you want to do? What's your vision? Now, I think what's really important is that you need space you need energy you need to have the capacity or like the bandwidth to even think about a vision it can be a little harder to do that when you know you're in the bottom of the pit or the black hole uh you know maybe you're helping loads of little humans navigate their lives as a mom or a parent uh and it can be a little hard to see the vision uh, another thing that comes up in my work a lot is that a lot of the women that I work with are in their 40s or 50s or maybe late 30s and they've been mums and that's been their identity for a really long time. So when their kids get to this phase of, you know, not being so codependent on them, they really question like, who are they? You know, what do they want to do with their life? Uh, and this is where we do a lot of vision work of what they want their life to look like. What do they want to do? Um, how do they want to be? How do they want to feel uh, in their, you know, in their body, in their relationships, in their work? Uh, and then, you know, that's hard. <laughs> For sure, I think. And one of the hardest parts is actually just getting clear on the vision or on the mission. The next hardest part, I think, is actually just starting. Uh, 
and there's no secret you just you gotta start um and that's what I did with the business you know I that's what I did when I was weak and broken on the floor I started with three exercises that I was given by my coach three simple basic exercises and I did them every day for a week until I saw him next week and he gave me you know three new exercises or we progressed those three exercises and I did them every day until I saw him again you know and that building that foundation went on for a good 12 months the same with the business you know I had zero content I didn't have a presence on Instagram so it started with creating content you know and maybe that was once every two or three days and then it became once every day with the podcast it started with trying to do an episode once a week and sometimes I would miss a week and now I do two or three every week and it's time you know it's practice but a lot of it is building your capacity so I talk about this with training you know when a lot of women come into warrior school maybe they've come from you know being stressed for a really long time you know some hormonal stuff is happening they their bodies are healing and they don't have much capacity when it comes to training they they don't have a big tolerance or resilience to stress it's not about not ever being stressed the whole goal and the work is to build the tolerance the resilience to the stress and so we slowly start you know for example, Kelsey, one of my warriors, when we first started working together, you know, she couldn't even tolerate walking for 10 minutes and she could only just tolerate doing something for 20 minutes, three times a week. Now this woman who is just so badass, she trains three times a week, she trains for an hour, she's lifting heavy weight, she walks for nearly an hour every day. And that's been 12 months, you know, we We've been working on that foundation and getting her to that place over the last 12 months. But at the start, she didn't have the capacity, the resilience, the tolerance. It's the same in business. You know, at the start, I felt extremely overwhelmed to record a podcast episode. It would take a lot of energy. Um, It would feel very hard for me. You know, the amount of times I press stop and start, um, you know, to record the podcast episode. The same with putting content out there. It was very hard, it took a lot of energy. I felt like I didn't have a lot of capacity to do that. But when we show up, even though, you know, it's uncomfortable and it's hard and we're afraid, if we keep showing up and doing the work, the same as in our training, it gets easier. We build capacity. We build tolerance and resilience. Uh, And heck, I think we even learn to love it. I think we fall in love with it. And now I've fallen in love with podcasting. I've fallen in love with creating content, you know, with building relationships. I've fallen in love with the behind the scenes stuff of my business. You know, a lot of the stuff that created a lot of friction for me at the start now becomes easier. And this is the same for our training. You know, I think that the first nine months when you're starting a training practice again, you're going to rebuild your body from the ground up. You're going to build that strong foundation. The first nine months are going to suck. 
and I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And it's way more easier if you can have someone lead you through it and teach you, you know, skills and, and support you and hold you accountable, um, you know, and give you a plan and cheer you on. It's a hell of a lot more easier to do it that way than try and do it on your own. And that's why I'm such a big believer in having a coach, teacher or a mentor is that, you know, to do big, scary things like to transform our body or to create big change in our life or to build a business from scratch. You know, we need we need a board of directors. We need people in those seats. Those We need help. Um, and so if you feel like this episode resonated with you, uh, if you feel like, you know, you really need support uh, in your life, with your training, with your health, uh, I invite you to check out Warrior School. Uh, you know, in Warrior School, yes, I lead women in their training and their health and they can do these amazing things with their body. But I also help lead them in their life. Uh And so I invite you to check out Warrior School and apply for it. You know, it's not for everyone. (laughs) Uh, I ask for a minimum nine month commitment. And uh, I hope this episode explains a little bit of the why behind that minimum nine month commitment. I'm actually even thinking about putting it up. Uh, You know, I would love to ask for two years of your life. Uh, because nine months is not a long time and we just start to create momentum at nine months. And so I think the really fun part, not saying that the first nine months aren't fun, they are hard, but I think after nine months, that's where it gets really fun because, you know, you're not in pain anymore. You feel way more confident. Uh, you know, you've actually can train consistently. And so that gives you so much confidence and belief in yourself, um, you know, you're starting to feel stronger in more control of your body. You're owning the movements uh, and then we can have a lot of fun with it. And so, yeah, that's it, Warrior. It was a bit of a, a random episode today, uh, just downloading a lot of stuff that's going on in my own life, a lot of stuff that's going on in Warrior School. And I hope that just giving you a little bit of an insight into, you know, and I could go way deeper or heaps as we would say in Australia I could go heaps deeper into you know what the last two years have looked like you know the the building of it the learnings the failings you know um, and I, I may do that on another podcast episode because I think it can uh, transfer really well when we talk about training or any other area of our life um, the, the business side of stuff Okay, so that's it for today's episode, Warrior. I hope you have a great day uh, and may the training vibes be with you. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. 
Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.